You see how round one played out, where they're able to go from 14 to 23 and pick up the player that they had their eyes on all along for the offensive line in the process. That's pretty remarkable that they still got Christian Darrow at 23 and two additional third rounders. But to know that there was a consideration for Justin Fields and that you know there's a consideration for trading up for Rashawn Slater, that makes it all that much more interesting about what didn't happen versus what did. But I think the Vikings walked away with a really good haul. All right, welcome to Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network alongside Chris Corso and our guest of the night who is long overdue for a Vikings Vantage appearance, Courtney Cronin from ESPN. Courtney, thank you for joining us. Finally, finally we got you on. Of course. No, I'm thrilled that I got a chance to to be with you guys. And I know a lot's happened in the last couple months. I don't remember the last time I was on, but you know, the fact now is we have so much to talk about. OTAs are going to happen and we're going to be out there to see it. It just kind of feels like we're at the, you can very truly see the light at the end of the tunnel here. And before you know it, it's going to be training camp. Yeah. Like enjoy, enjoy these next like couple months because they go so quickly. And I, I know personally that I'm ready for a little bit of a break, but I'm excited already that like training camp, we know that fans are going to be in attendance and they're gearing up for fans for the regular season to know those things, I think helps you kind of prepare for the season and just kind of knowing what's ahead and being excited about it. Yeah. Like we were talking off camera. I mean, things are starting to trend upward. Hopefully it stays that way. Um, But before they were trending upward, your Twitter name was Courtney R. Cronin. And we talked to you then, and then right before the draft, it was Courtney R. Draft Scout. And that's the Courtney that I want to talk to right now, the Courtney R. (laughs) Draft Scout on Twitter, who was on top of everything when it came to Vikings um, draft content related. But your thoughts just on the draft and, you know, your take on, you know, what the Vikings did throughout, you know, that entire long, long weekend. Yeah, it's always a long weekend, and I love the lead-up to the draft. That's kind of where, I mean, the draft scout thing is an inside joke between myself and Matthew Collar from Purple Insider. It's something we created, kind of this bit when we were doing radio together a few years ago. It's stuck. People love it. Uh, People come for those episodes just to hear us, you know, mess around and talk about long snappers and oily hips and who's a glass eater and, you know, the typical, like, scouting terms that – you know, you can't take yourself too seriously in those things. So yes, of course, it's serious draft coverage. We're talking about potential prospects and why they fit and all of that. But there's a lot of fun that's uh, associated with it because sometimes draft Twitter can get like completely overwhelming and you have ex- experts out there who um, claim to know everything about prospects that they've watched a bunch of YouTube cutups on. So we try to have some fun with that. But I mean, the lead, the lead up time in the draft this year, when you saw back in that last weekend of March or that last Friday of March or the second to last Friday, when the dolphins, the Eagles and the 49ers changed the draft order and you're seeing all these trades happen and you know, that quarterbacks are being sought after that to me. And even dating back before that, when there was the Stafford and golf trade, so much happened this off season where picks were being swapped well ahead of draft week, which I thought was really interesting and made the draft super intriguing, just knowing how good this quarterback class was. So come Thursday, when of course the, the a bomb was dropped from, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, that made it even more wild. And I, w- I put something out on Twitter that if the Vikings 
Packer Vikings, bears and lions could get Aaron Rodgers out of the division by weekend's end that everybody would get an a grade, but obviously that hasn't happened yet. Uh, but so much was happening. And I think that the lead up time for the Vikings was pretty quiet. And then, you know, you, you see how round one played out where they're able to go from 14 to 23 and pick up the player that they had their eyes on all along for the offensive line in the process. That's pretty remarkable that they still got Christian Darisaw at 23 and two additional third rounders, but to know that there was a consideration for Justin Fields and that, you know, there's a consideration for trading up for Rashawn Slater. That makes it all that much more interesting about what didn't happen versus what did. But I think the Vikings walked away with a really good haul and it's May 20th when we're recording this. And the fact is their offensive line, you know, there's a lot of work that can still be done. It's May 20th, but we don't have the question of who's the left guard, who's the right guard, what's going to happen at left tackle. We know at least there are people, there are bodies that are projected day one starters at some, at like all of those positions, the three that you already knew with O'Neal, Bradbury and, um, and uh, Cleveland. And then you have a very high ceiling rookie, potentially the best, uh, you know, biggest steal the Vikings got in the draft with Wyatt Davis going to one of those guard spots. And Christian Dayersaw is playing left tackle. You, there's no, there's no way around that he's playing left tackle. So to have that solved and I use that word loosely just because it is football season. We know that once pads come on, injuries happen, changes need to be made. But it's, it's a different feel with this Vikings team where we typically are at this time of year with all these question marks. At least some of them that are typically question marks are solved where others that are not typically question marks are kind of you know up in the air at this point. Definitely an exciting time for the Vikings offensive line. I mean, I feel like we have spent so many first round and high draft picks on that offensive line in the years past. But I want to go back to what you said before about the quarterback situation. And we wanted to have you on the show, I think, last week because you broke the story about the Vikings really wanting to trade up for Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. And Gabe knows I'm a big fan of Justin Fields just as a fan of the game of football, what he was able to do at Ohio State. So could you break down what kind of the scenario was there for the Vikings and just explain to Vikings fans what they were thinking and what they ended up with in Kellen Mond later on in the third round? Yeah, so I think the way that best way to explain is how that panned out. You look at a couple different places in the first round that changed the way that the board was falling and it changed the way the offensive linemen, the top ones were coming off the board. The fact that Cincinnati went with Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell, who a lot of people thought they were, he was going to take. And then he ends up going to Detroit that changes things because like, even though it's like, Oh, it might be like two or three spots before the player you thought was going to be taken at five. And then is taken by the lions um, that changes things because it keeps pushing everybody down the board. So a they're looking at Rashawn Slater and thinking, okay, potentially we're going to trade up for him. They're making calls, but Justin Fields gets past Carolina at eight and Denver at nine. When they pick Patrick Sertain, you're one, you know, to me, my first thought is, okay, George Payton is getting Aaron Rodgers. We're just, you know, I'm, I'm counting down the days until post June one when the cap, you know, when it's cap implications and it's easier to do. So, you know, I I'm willing to say, I'm willing to go in all in on that and say that Aaron Rodgers is playing for Denver next year, because why else don't you take a quarterback at that spot? Yeah. You did get Teddy about two days before that, but still 
that's that's where I'm at. I don't want to hear anybody else like say it's not going to happen because I truly do think it will. But when that happens, you're like, if you're the Vikings, if you're Rick Spielman, you're saying we are four draft picks away from this guy potentially falling to us. If he's there, they have no choice but to take him. It was, you know, the belief that, okay, if he's there at 14, done deal, they'll worry about the, you know, the quarterback situation. It changes the landscape of how this thing would have worked out because then indeed Kirk Cousins is on borrowed time. If you're looking at it that way, because you don't, you don't sit a first round pick at quarterback for more than a year. Like I know the, we're talking about the Packers, like the situation with Jordan Love is really tricky and it's tenuous. And that, you know, if Rogers were to come back, you'd be sitting Love for like two to three years. That's never what you do with a first round pick. It stunts their development. So I don't know how it would have panned out. These are a lot of what ifs, but you know, I, and I don't truly know where they would have traded up to. They thought that if he could get past, you know, the Eagles and the Dallas and Dallas do the swap and that if he could get past the Giants, he was theirs. But then I, you know, I, from what I was told is kind of everybody was on red alert, high alert for the Patriots and Chicago. Well, Chicago comes out of, you know, barreling out of nowhere, even though people knew that, okay, they're probably going to have to do something here drastic to get somebody in at quarterback to try to save the franchise and save, you know, save a lot of jobs. And they do, they trade up with the giants, go up nine spots, give up, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of picks in the process. And they, that was just such a whoa moment. I think for a lot of people who are watching the board fall, especially the Minnesota Vikings, when they had their eye on Justin Fields and thought that he was in their lap. Um, again, I don't know how many spots they would have been willing to trade up for. I know the cost was too much. And that's why nothing ever got done, but they end up waiting until day two. And I think it was a really wise strategy to get a, and I've been writing about this for a while to get a quarterback on day two. So it's not a sixth or seventh round project or a UDFA that truly has no chance at ever becoming your starter. You know, Kellen Mond is not threatening Kirk Cousins for his job. That's not happening right now in 2021. This is somebody who, all the pieces finally started to come in together for him four years into his career at Texas A&M. Now the story is, okay, how long is it going to take for him to develop in the NFL? I don't think he could have come to a better situation or walked into a better situation than the one he walked into in Minnesota, knowing he's not going to be relied on to be the guy right now. Down the line, who knows? If they develop him the way that they want to, he could be that guy and you could have a succession plan in place should you, know, should you want to do something differently at quarterback. But they're very happy with him. Um, there've always been the questions that I've seen, like how come the Vikings didn't get a second round pick? How come they couldn't trade up? Well, when everybody knows you want a second round pick, they're going to drive the price up. Like there, you have no leverage at that point. And Rick Spielman even said they tried to trade into the second round and it was too expensive. But the thing is, look at the gap between the fifth quarterback taken, which was Mac Jones to the Patriots and the sixth quarterback taken Kyle Trask, at the end of the second round, yeah, to to uh, Tampa Bay. There's a big gap in what the NFL and, and collectively people believe between guys who are ready right now and guys who are going to need a little bit more time, but are still high ceiling, like, you know, high ceiling prospects that, you know, are very good picks. And I think that the Vikings got a very good pick in Kellen Mond. We're just going to now have to see what that development will turn out to be and how he progresses. So the the kid in me wants to ask you, hey, you can't just overstep what you said about glass eaters in the draft. Like, I want to know what a glass eater is. But the, the professional in me wants to ask, 
what does this mean with what the Vikings are trying to imply by mm-hmm. saying, hey, we would have took Justin Fields, but since we have, since we did not, we're still trying to win now. Like, what message are they sending across with that message? They have not had the like. Think about their backup situation because Kellen Kellen Mond is competing for a backup job. I I truly believe it will be his. You don't spend a third round pick on a quarterback and not have him be at least your backup if you are potentially grooming this guy to take over at some point in the near future. The message that they're sending right now is that sooner or later, they needed to have a succession plan in place, whether, you know, and I'll lay out the scenario with cousins, but they needed to have something in place because it's always just been starting quarterback and then kind of like a group of, you know, you know, a lot of uh, misfit toys. And I know that's probably not the right word, but you know, do you trust Nate Stanley? Do you trust Jake Browning to be the guys to back up Kirk cousins? Like your season's over probably if you were having to play those guys in games. So it's just kind of this, you know, conglomerate they've had of like, all right, there's a Sean Mannion who would never, was never threatening Kirk cousins for his job, but he was a terrific backup quarterback. He's smart as hell. Like, he was the guy who helps Kirk mentally get prepared for games, but he was never threatening Kirk for his job. And with the younger guys, yeah, they're still developing. It's all, you know, there'll be bodies in the room and there'll be bodies in camp, but like you bring Kellen Mond in, you say, okay, this guy's competing for a backup job, how he does as a backup, how we see him progress through all of the practices, all of everything that like, we don't get to see what the coaches see in their evaluation. That gives them the chance to know, Hey, in the event that, they do want to move on from cousins because he's under contract. Remember for two more years, it goes through 2022 and he's owed $56 million left on that contract. There's absolutely no way. And, and if they are a team that's trying to bounce back from seven and nine and win in 2021, you don't start a rookie quarterback. Who's very much still considered raw in a project over Kirk cousins and try to get rid of Kirk cousins. Like that just is not happening now, but because of what the financial weight is, in 2022. I don't know, maybe, maybe you consider moving on then, but either way, whether you let the contract play its course and Kirk, if Kirk is great, this is, this is no bones about it. You sign him to an extension. If he's willing to agree to one um, and, and you keep it moving. If, if you don't get where you want to as a team and you feel like the quarterback position is one that you want to make a switch at, then you've already got somebody waiting in the wings who you believe at that time, you'll know whether he's capable of taking over or not. I honestly never hate taking a quarterback, whether it's the third round or an early round pick. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the best examples of that is the Washington Redskins drafting Kirk Cousins right after mm-hmm. RG3 in the first round. Everyone was like, sure. why do you go and do that? And then you end up getting your starter for multiple years there um, with the organization. So, yeah, I never hate taking a quarterback. I know Gabe and I have this argument all the time. It's always fun to talk about. But um, I was very happy that the Vikings used a higher round pick um, on a quarterback in round three. But that leads me to my next question. Who is your favorite day two, day three Vikings draft pick? Like, who's the guy that's like, this guy can come in day one and have an impact on the roster? I think it's Wyatt Davis. Everyone uh, says it. I love it. I know. I know. It's, it's such an easy answer, but it's so true. Like, if you go around the league right now and you look at starting offensive linemen, there are so many that are drafted anywhere from like 80 to 88 
that have long careers. A prime example of someone I covered for many, many years from, from college to when he played with the Raiders is Gabe Jackson. He was drafted 81st overall, played seven years, started as a rookie, moving from right to left guard um, for, for Oakland and then Las Vegas. Like, but he was a, he's a, he was a day three pick. He was, a, excuse me, a day two pick third rounder And Wyatt Davis drafted where he was. I believe it was 86th overall, you know, that was considered a steal. I, I don't know why he fell. Maybe it was something to do with the knee injury that he sustained. He had one that was kind of nagging him throughout the end of the 2020 season. He uh, kind of just came up on him again in the national championship game. I don't know if that had anything to do with why he, because a lot of places, you know, had him with a second round grade and you can understand that, but Mike Zimmer wants beef on this offensive line. Like we talk about zone scheme fits with offensive linemen and usually you know, it's the more athletic build. Some guys that, you know, you know, second they stop eating, they don't look like offensive linemen. Like they, mm-hmm. they don't, they, they lose that mass. They're not your typical, you know, guys who eat up a lot of space, power run scheme fits, but he can do both. I mean, the thing is they had so many different, um, you know, run formations and all these things that they did, you know, for all the running backs that he you know, created holes for, and he's also pretty good in pass protection too. Yeah. He struggled a little bit. He had a dip in, you know, his production slightly from 2019 to 2020, but I really like this pick because this is somebody that fits exactly what Zimmer was talking about, what he wanted that yes, he's athletic, but he can move. He's six, four, 315 pounds. He's huge. Um, same thing with, same thing with Christian Darisaw. Like I remember getting to go out to TCO and seeing him right after he was drafted. Like he is all six, six, five, three twenty-two, And I guarantee they're going to have him in a program where he tries to beef up even more on that. Like that's the big thing with what the directive was for this offensive line. They wanted to get better in pass protection, particularly on the interior. And they wanted to put size around Garrett Bradbury. Cause this is the year three years in, this is the year we're going to be able to determine, okay, was the Garrett Bradbury pick worth it or was it not? Has he made the jump that you needed him to make three years in because you're going to start, you're going to be in a, at a point where you're going to start thinking about an extension for him soon, just given contractually where he is, how many years he's played is, are you doing everything you can to bring out the best in him? because that was one of the weaker links on the offensive line. And, and that starts with upgrading your guard play. Now we know Ezra Cleveland is played guard last year. I anticipate with Wyatt Davis staying at right guard for now. And I know Mike Zimmer, I asked him about this last week. He said that, you know, it won't be the last place he lines up, but it makes sense. The guy was a all American, a unanimous all American at Ohio state and first team, all big 10 at right guard, play him at right guard. That just, that's where they're starting him right now. It makes sense. So I would anticipate if you're asking me like how the offensive line looks, I mean, yes, it is May 20, but a Darisaw, Cleveland, Bradbury, Davis, O'Neill offensive line should give Vikings fans some hope that they have addressed and at least answered for now some of their biggest question marks that have plagued this team for a long time. Day three, um, Janarius Robinson, Amir Smith-Marset, Kane Wangu, all all of those guys picked in day three. Who's your guy to watch? Who's your sleeper day three pick? I, I you know, I really do like um, Kane Wangu. Okay. Like, I think that, I mean, all the, all the day three picks we know were special teams oriented, right. at least most of them. Certainly there were some, you know, some defensive linemen, Janarius Robinson. 
Um, I'll be really curious to see how they handle that spot opposite Daniil Hunter, considering they have Patrick Jones and yeah. they have Janarius Robinson, but all the rest of them that like are really intriguing are special teams caliber guys. And, you know, with Kane, is he going to be a kickoff returner like he was in college, or are they going to try to get him to field punts? Like, you know, Ryan Ficken has his, has his work cut out for him in his first year is like, you know, despite he's, but he's been doing special teams forever, but like as a special teams coach, I mean, a lot of eyes are going to be on that unit because you have kick returner, punt returner, a kicker competition, you know, all, all that's stable right now is knowing that Britton Colquitt's back is your punter. So there's a lot of young guys that are going to be competing for very important spots because you know, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman have made no bones about it. Special teams were a real struggle last year. They have not been explosive on special teams, especially in the return game in a couple of years. So I'm really curious because Amir Smith-Marset has some return capabilities as well. What's that battle going to be looking like for kick returner and punt returner? Also knowing that you have KJ Osborne on the roster, you have Chad Beebe on the roster. Are we done? Like with them at those positions, are we just saying, okay, we're right in the moss? Um, Amir Abdullah also. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, you know, I wonder too, with, 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 um, Kene, can he truly be a number three back? Because we know how this team uses Dalvin cook. They're not going to, I mean, it's going to be interesting after how many touches he had on his body this past year, how are they going to handle that going forward? So they don't run him into the ground. I wrote a story back in December. Um, I went through all of the running backs who had the amount, and I, I don't know the number offhand. I think it was like 350 at that point, like three, you know, 350 touches. What happens the next year? And there's sometimes more, more often than not, a big decline because of injuries, because of how much wear and tear you put on your body. We know Dalvin Cook is somebody who rehabs, he does everything, he spends a ton of money on his body. There's not that much concern as of right now, but to have somebody to know, maybe they change things. Maybe they, you know, they have to use Dal Dalvin as their bell cow. That's how they do it. But they also have Alexander Madison and is, can it is Kaneo Can he potentially be that change of pace third down back, or maybe you, you know, you flank him out wide, like what they've done with Amir a little bit. I know some of it, the problems with Amir Abdullah have been fumbling issues, but can they actually get some production out of their, number three and number four back because we just didn't really see it much with Mike Boone and Amir Abdullah the last couple of years. And now um, you have somebody who has special teams capabilities in Kene. And also, you know, he was, you know, he's, he's done quite a bit of, of work in the backfield at, at Iowa state. And maybe that tr translates here. Everything you're saying is exactly what we've heard from the coaching staff. And we, we had Andre Patterson on this show a few weeks ago, and he was literally talking about the fact that they needed to bring in big men on the defensive line like that that's literally how he described it we need sure. big bodies in the middle of this defensive line obviously they did that in free agency did that in the draft and then obviously they addressed the special teams all rounds or days two and three um throughout so i think those were the two initiatives that mike zimmer said let's get better on special teams and let's get better on the offensive and defensive line, which I think we all agree um, were places that there were struggles last year, um, injuries being a big part of that as well. But um, you got to hear Mike Zimmer talk following rookie minicamp, and it wasn't a normal year. You didn't get to be out there with the players and see every practice and things like that. What was your main takeaway uh, from the head coach after seeing some of these rookies and, and try out guys out on the field for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I think rookie minicamp, is just getting your eyes 
on the guys that you drafted for the first time. You're never going to come away with big takeaways of, okay, this person's automatically, automatically won the job. Like if there is a veteran in front of him that he's trying to supplant. The only exception there is Christian Derrissaw. Yes, they re-signed Rashad Hill, but it's not that Christian Derrissaw is trying to beat out Rashad Hill for the left tackle spot. You drafted the guy 23rd overall. He's going to be playing left tackle for you in, in week one and going forward. But I think the athleticism part and just the way that Zimmer talked about some of his footwork and the way that he was moving, because they were only, and I don't know if this is an anomaly this year. To me, it seemed like it, because I've been out for other rookie mini camps. There were only five offensive linemen brought into rookie mini camp this year. So you got to see, you know, Darisaw at left tackle. He wasn't rotating reps with anybody. Same thing with Wyatt Davis at right guard. Uh, that'll certainly change once we get to see how guys look together with the veterans uh, at train at uh, you know, training camp, obviously, but OTAs and then mandatory mini camp. So we'll see what happens there. You know, this is a teaching process though, right now, how quickly are guys going to pick things up? How quickly is Kellen Mond going to process what's being thrown at him? And then when he gets in a room with Kirk cousins, you know, rookie minicamp, he's the guy, he's the one that everybody was out there to see just because of the draw of a, of a rookie quarterback. I mean, go it's different, but like, go look at Chicago right now, go type in Chicago bears. And the only thing you're going to get is Justin Fields search returns coming back at you. People want to know about that stuff. And I think talking with Kellen Mond last Friday, I asked him a question about, you know, how quickly do you get into the playbook to digest things? Because I'm sure it probably feels like drinking like from a fire hose and he got his iPad right away or, you know, Microsoft service pro, whatever the tablet is that they have to use. And it, he watched like within, you know, a couple, probably a couple of days watched every single 2020 Vikings game from, you know, last season. And, you know, I'm sure there were moments that he's probably like, wow, that's not good. But like, there was also times where, you know, when you, when you talk to him and just, you know, he's, he's locked in on Kirk cousins. Of course, he's looking at the whole offense and what they're running and everything, but the way that he relayed what he got out of his own little film session study that he was doing is that he was super locked in on cousins and what cousins was doing and, you know, the footwork and the efficiency and all the things he's like, I want to, you know, I'm trying, he's trying to be a sponge. And when you talk to Mike Zimmer, then the next day, you know, cause, cause Mond made it, you know, was talking about like emulating Kirk Cousins and wanting to learn from him. And Mike Zimmer didn't like walk that comment back, but he all, he made it for, in, in layman's terms, or just, you know, to put it frankly, it was, we drafted you to be you. Like, we want you to be you learn certain things from cousins, how to run, a, get in and out of a huddle, how to run an offense, how to compose yourself in games, all things like that. But I think that these are two very different quarterbacks, very different skill sets where the Vikings, of course, there's a million things that Kellamon can learn from Kirk cousins, but you know, when you're starting from scratch in the NFL, it's your first year, you know, they brought you in to be you don't ever lose that guy be continue to be you don't necessarily pick up every habit from Kirk Cousins because he's what works for him might not work for you. But that's kind of what I got from it that, you know, when, when Mond said that and Mike Zimmer was asked about it, it's more that Mike wants him to learn how to be a pro because a lot of guys come in and have absolutely no clue how to do it. And yeah, like Kellen Mond was a four-year starter at Texas A&M, went through two coaching changes, you know, two different offense, he go two different offenses. He goes from like an air raid system with Kevin Sumlin to a pro set with, um, you know, pro style offense with Jimbo Fisher, the guy has been through change before he's been through quite a bit being thrown at him. 
And now it's going to be a matter of how does he put it all together and how does he learn and what does he learn from Kirk Cousins in the process? Hey, what, w- what was the thing that you said about Mike Zimmer wants his offensive lineman to still be offensive lineman even after they eat? Well, you said that, right? No. So he said that like one of his big things was that it wasn't just that they want athletic bodies. Okay. They want size because like right. they're small. That's, you know, and. and obviously to you and me and, and, and Chris, they're not small. Like Gabe, I know you were a defensive back. So like, you know what this is like when you stop eating like an athlete, you're going to lose that mass. But, you know, I, they want guys who can be really athletic and move, but like big dudes who can move, which I know is such a hard thing to find because sometimes with these zone scheme fits, you get athletes who, you know, look at Brian O'Neill from a couple of years ago. Like when he got in here, He wasn't that far removed from being a converted tight end turned tackle. That's a lot of times what you find with, um, you know, a lot of college day, you know, day two, day three prospects coming out of college. Yeah. They may have played the offensive line position that they were drafted at for like a couple of years, but they were not that far removed from either being, you know, a tight end or, you know, I don't think you'd get many defensive ends, but you know, I I have seen that happen too. Um, But to be able to do that, and gets somebody, you know, guys in that have not only the ability to, you know, get to the second level, get to the linebackers. That's great. But like also to help in pass protection, you have to be able to sustain blocks and be big. So that's, I I get it. I mean, and I like that Zim set it up front that particularly on the interior where they have been, that's been the weak spot for them for the last couple of years. That's what they were going after. We, we've talked a lot of offense um, since we since you've been on this podcast, but we have not got your thoughts on free agency, this defense, this new Vikings defense and sure. OTAs coming up. So sure. expectations for OTAs for the defensive side of the ball. You know, the defense is always uh, a little bit ahead of the offense whenever you look at, you know, OTAs, mini camp, training camp except it didn't feel like that last year here in Minnesota because they had so much newness, so many new guys. Daniel Hunter wasn't out there. You know, this is before they lose their linebackers, but the off season was okay. On paper, this defense looks like it can be top 10 in efficiency. You know, they're going to get in Gawkway and it's like, okay, like it, things could be great. And they weren't. And I, you know, they put so much effort and so many financial resources into the defense in free agency that that signaled to me, they're doing, they're going offense heavy, at least with the first four picks, which they did three of those first four picks were spent on offense in the draft. They had to do that. Like they addressed their biggest glaring need. Mike Zimmer had said after that game in new Orleans, where they gave up, you know, six touchdowns to, Alvin Kamara, that it was the worst defense he's ever had. Yes. People say things in the moment of frustration, but I think that he was truly at rock bottom with this unit, especially how they played the run last year in back-to-back weeks from Chicago to the new Orleans game. So what they do, they go get space eaters, literally like Dalvin Tomlinson is, you know, a big dude paired him next to Michael Pierce. Like, you know, I don't know how teams are going to run on that. And that was really a big priority. And then fixing your secondary comes with getting guys who you don't have to have experience a massive learning curve. They're very happy with Cam Dantzler and the strides that he made as a third round pick at the, especially towards the end of last season, he really came along after dealing with some injuries and missing some games, but 
you know, Patrick Peterson can only be seen as a win. I think at least right now, you know, he still has his own bounce back that he has to do. You know, he's a, he was a perennial pro bowler and then took a step back. So now this could be his chance to, to do, to pull a Terrence Newman to, you know, you know, be a captain Munderland where he gets to extend his career a little bit longer working under Zimmer. I mean, that's what he talked about why he wanted to come here. That's what, you know, the Vikings kind of sold to, uh, or, you know, sold to Peterson, like come here, you know, get your second chance and, and do that. And then, you know, I, I like that the Xavier Woods, I like the Xavier Woods pick quite a bit. I think that that's a smart one. And I think it's necessary to address the safety position because they didn't remember, like until they got Cam Bynum, who is a cornerback converted to safety, they didn't have any other real depth at that position. So I think the defense will be better. This team will go as far as its defense will carry it next year. Cause we've seen how far the offense can get on its own without the true support of like a good special teams unit. And that's important for field, like starting field position. They had the worst average starting field position last year. Um, you know, you know, both offense and defense. I mean, that's, you know, a situation that you look back at special teams and being like, well, what's going on? Why are we starting, you know, starting so far back every single time you need explosive returners? Well, it looks like they at least are on their way to addressing that. And then defensively, they've got a group of guys in that they're confident. Yes, some of them are projects. I mean, the defensive ends, they're not sure things. I mean, Patrick Jones is, looks like he could be really good. And Janarius Robinson will see, I mean, but they, they, they fit the prototype athletic mold that the Vikings are looking for as they try to find the next Daniel Hunter. I mean, you can look at these guys and look at the build and say, I see it. Okay. I get what you're talking about because that's probably what Daniel looked like coming out of college when he was like 20 or 21, but there's a lot of, there's still, they still have a ways to go. I just think that at least they've, they've put themselves in position that they saw the biggest need. And they went and addressed it in free agency all the way. And then also getting some pieces that they believe can help them sooner rather than later in the draft. At this point, this is the last question for me. What would you grade the Vikings offseason? Because you discussed mm-hmm. all the free agent acquisitions. We talked about the draft. There still might be some money to be spent on some sure. positions there. So what would you grade the Vikings offseason? And then what do you see the Vikings maybe doing going forward to add to this roster heading into OTAs and training camp. Don't you love great? Don't you love grading, Courtney? I hate grading. I actually, it's it's my least favorite thing. You're to the do. draft scout. I had to. I know. I, I, know, you, got, I know. you got to ask. You, you have to fulfill actually, that title. So fun, it's funny because like this is the first year that ESPN did not have us do pick uh, game by game pick predictions. I could just I just gave a bold prediction at the end of my thing, and it didn't even include a record, so I could get out of it that way. Because <laughs> you know everyone picks their team to go above five hundred or eight and eight, unless you're like a bad team, you're never gonna pick your team to go like five and eleven. Like that's the easiest job in the world if you covered like the Bengals or the Jets, like the last couple of years. Like oh, like I'm gonna max this team out at six wins cool like when you have a team that was like the vikings they were seven and nine last year and then you look at the schedule they have the fifth hardest strength of schedule that makes it really difficult so i was glad i got out of that i know i can't get out of this i give them a solid b for this b like for this offseason b b plus i'm never big on giving like a grades in the draft i mean you can hit home run on certain home runs on certain picks um i think they hit a home run specifically on Wyatt Davis. I think they absolutely tripled on Christian Derisaw. 
because uh, we, we there's still a couple you know things that you know I think when you watch his film and, and you see what it translated to at Virginia Tech I mean this this should be your you know biggest question mark is can you find a franchise left tackle this team has not had a left tackle play for more than four seasons the guy you know be the, the franchise guy since Bryant McKinney who played here for nine years and like you know, that's, that was a very long time ago. So supposed to be Matt Khalil, but that just didn't. Yeah, happen. It, it, exactly. So, I mean, I give them a solid B just given the the needs that they went after, especially in free agency. There were a couple things I thought, you know, maybe getting a pass rusher, but you know, the guys that they were going after Trey Hendricks and Carl Lawson priced themselves out of what the Vikings could pay. And Minnesota truly told you with what it did, especially with that first signing and Dalvin Tomlinson, that it wants to be better against the run. And that by way of doing that, they feel like they're going to be better, have a better pass rush. Like they don't have, and I know that I believe Andre Patterson said it on the, on the show, like they don't have that, you know, dynamic pocket pushing, um, you know, super athletic Sheldon Richardson type. I'll just throw that name out there because he's the last one the Vikings fans will remember that at, that at, at three technique. Um, so what are they getting in someone who is now moving from nose guard to, to three technique and Dalvin Tomlinson? We'll see. I mean, but, you can't run on that team. Like that would be just silly. So at least they handled some of their biggest issues. Like I love teams that go head on and say, this was our problem. Here's how we're fixing it and not try to complicate things. So I think given what they did in free agency, what they did early in the draft and some of the projects that they took on, it is a solid B a very good off season for this team that needs to bounce back in 2021. So uh, thoughts on schedule release, but I won't ask you for a prediction on, the season this year because i mean what is the record gonna be thank you corso i'll probably end up giving you like a record of what the team would be if it was a 16 game schedule because i still like i see 17 games i see a week 18 and it like makes my head want to explode so i um i think that that stretch to start out they should be they could be four and two or two and four right like i mean they've got cleveland in there at home cleveland's tough it's a real tough team, but they also, you know, opening up at Cincinnati, going on the road to Arizona, like that's new. And, and to have two weeks back to back is tough, but I think that those are beatable teams, but God coming out of that bye in week seven, that stretch of five, five games in there. And, you know, the road games that you have with the chargers, um, you know, I know I'm, I'm, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but like that, there's that five game stretch that I think week eight on because they have the week seven by those next five six games will determine how the course of the season goes for them because going into the bye it's doable that they have a winning record at that point but coming out with all those road games that they have coupled with the fact that like you're you know you're on the heels of like division play it's going to be tough and there's still so much unknown too because we don't know what's happening in green bay when we know what's happening in green bay that's going to change a lot of people's opinions on, on what this Vikings team is capable of doing. Could it win the division? Um, Cause I don't know if you're going to let a lot of people like, let's, let's just say that like everything's stasis right now and you, and Aaron Rodgers is staying in green Bay. I don't know if you're going to have a lot of people who would not pick the Packers to win the NFC North, but if he's gone, it's wide open and the Vikings do have a lot of talent and they've retooled positions that they've needed to, to be able to contend for that title. So and if you want to check back with me post June one, let's see if Aaron Rodgers is somewhere else. Then I, I, I will be happy to give you my prediction <laughs> then. But for now, I think my prediction was my bold prediction that I had to write at the bottom of it was that they're going to win 
all of their uh, road games in the division, uh, you know, at Detroit, at Chicago, at Green Bay, which they did, they did last, last year. year. Yeah. So that's like not, not that bold, but that they'll get back in the playoffs after, you know, after what happened last season. I didn't say what it would take for them to get back in the playoffs. They could be, I mean, given this new format, you know, you don't have to be 10 and eight necessarily to get in. Could you be nine and eight and get in? Mm. Right. Well, that may, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to do the math. The, the extra really game hard. is so weird. I mean, 10, and, 10 and seven would yeah. be the regular season record. So I guess you could be nine and eight and get in, or could you potentially be eight and nine? Like, I don't know, but they'll, I did predict that they would get back to the playoffs this po- this season though in the wild card round. Every other year it happens. <laughs> That's true. If you're going off history. To your point, Courtney, after the bye week, Cowboys at Ravens, yes. at Chargers, Green Bay, at 49ers, fast forward a week, Steelers, Bears, Rams, and Packers again. And that Steelers game's on a short week because they have Thursday night football. That's going to be brutal, but... Like, I mean, God, the fact that they drew the AFC North this year. Tough luck. Not good. I mean, that's a really, arguably the to- the toughest division, I think, in the NFL. For sure. Well, before we get there, organized team activities are first. So we get a really good look to what this Minnesota Vikings team will be this year. Thankfully, we'll be able to see them in person. And thankfully, Corso and I will be able to see you in person at organized yeah. team activities. So crossing our fingers, things are continuing to trend upward. Guys, wear your masks. Stay safe. And in the meantime, we'll see you at U.S. Bank Stadium. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks.